Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. MLBC is led by Pastor Dennis Fountain and exists to help real people going through real life experience real change through our incredible God. We hope this message will be an encouragement to you, and we'd love to hear how God used it in your life. Let's do this this morning. Let's take our Bibles and let's go to the book of Luke and chapter number eight, Luke chapter number eight. And uh, this morning, we are diving right back into our study, uh, going through the, the series Encountering Christ. And this is the possibilities of a life with Jesus. And uh, we're actually going to be doing five series in the book of Luke over the course of the next uh, three years. We're going to take some breaks from it. And so this is our second series that we've been in. And uh, we're going to be done with this in just a few weeks. But really going through and discovering just what is possible when we are all in with Jesus Christ. And I'm looking forward uh, to the lesson, the passage today, and all that God has for us. Let me ask you this question. Have you ever been uh, given something in your life? You, you knew what it was that they gave to you, like you knew what it was, but you did not know what you were supposed to do with it. You were given a gift, you knew what it was, but you didn't know what you were supposed to do with it. And later you found out that it was actually one of the best or most practical gifts that you were ever given. It was something that you were given that you didn't even know you needed. Like my wife and I, when we were given for the first time the infamous magic eraser. I'll be honest, how many, of you, how many of you know about the magic eraser? Raise your hand. Okay, if you don't know about the magic eraser, listen, your mind is about to be blown. <laughs> the magic eraser, we were given this, and I don't know about you if, you, uh, if you've used the magic eraser, we were given it, and it just looks like a sponge. It just looks like a sponge. It looks like a dish sponge or a, a cleaning sponge or something like that. But Hannah and I were given this by people, and they were like, hey, just use it to clean. It'll, it'll get just about anything off. Just, and we knew what it was. We looked at it, and we're like, what are we supposed to do with this thing? Like dishes? Floor? What do you do with it? And so Hannah began to do some research, and I'm, I'm going to tell you right now, the magic eraser truly is the magic eraser. If you've never used one, see me afterwards. I'll just cut it up into little parts and you can take a little, a little bit and piece home of this. The magic eraser, it gets, it gets stuff, gunk. It gets uh, scuffs off of anything. I, we use it on everything. We use it on our sink. I use it on my shoes. You know, I like shoes. I use it on my shoes. We use it in the church. We use it on the tables upstairs. It'll get crayon off of walls. It's amazing. Some of you are like, I'm buying that now. I'm sold. Man, we got this, we knew what it was, but when we first got it, even though we knew what it was, we didn't know what we were supposed to do with it. Oh, I knew it cleaned, I, I knew it was gonna help something, but I really did not know what I had been given until I found out how to use it. How many of you, you don't have to raise your hand because you'll be admitting something that you probably don't want to admit. How many of you are old enough to remember when cell phones first started coming out? Don't raise your hands, I don't want you to be dated. Some of you are seasoned enough in age that you can remember when cell phones first came out. You know, when cell phones first came out, I mean, we knew it was a phone, right? Well, I know, yeah, I know that's a phone. But here's what was said when, when phones, some of you remember this, when phones first came out, people said this, oh, that will never take. 
That, like, that's not gonna go anywhere. Who wants a phone with them all the time? Like, people were barely liking pagers. How many, remember, how many of you had a pager? Yeah, yeah. And you look at it, and you're like, I ain't calling you back, man. It ain't, it ain't happening. Man, that phone first came out, and people were with the phone, and they were thinking, uh, what am I, you know, I mean, I know, it's a, I know it's a phone, but what am I gonna do with this? And then our minds were blown when texting came out. And some in here still don't understand texting. I know because you text me and I'm like, what are they saying? I'm kidding, I'm kidding. My mom's not in here, so I can't pick on her right now. You got, you, you text messaging came out where you like type letters and you remember those little flip phones, those of you that can remember it, where you had to like go through like A, B, C, you had to click it three times to get to the letter you wanted, didn't do automatic words. I remember when that first came out, people were like, what, this is silly, Like, this is not going to take off. We knew what it was, but now I would venture to say that there's probably only three to five families in here that still have a landline. Oh, I'm not not picking on anybody. I would venture to say that now probably 80%, 90% of the people in here use texting on a daily basis. We knew what it was. We just did not know what we were supposed to do with it. Did you know that as a follower of Jesus Christ, some of you, you came to know Christ as your savior maybe a year ago or 15 years ago or some in here maybe 60 years ago. As a follower of Jesus Christ, and maybe you're here today and you haven't put your faith in Jesus. I'll I'll speak to that in just a minute. But the fact of the matter is that wherever we're at in life, did you know that God has given you a gift? He has placed something in your life and my life We know what it is, we know what it is, but we just don't know what to do with it sometimes. You say, wait, pastor, what are you talking about? Did you know that God has given you and I the gift of the word of God? The Bible, the word of God is a gift to every believer. We know what it is. It's God's word, it's God's message uh, for us, for our admonition and our instruction. We know what it is. But you know what many of us struggle with? We struggle with, well, what do I do with it? Oh, no, wait. Pastor, I know I'm supposed to read it. And and I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the fact that we know what it is. We know who it's from. But often we don't know how to apply it into our life. We don't know what to do with it. We come to church, we hear a message, we leave not knowing what do I do with that. We get up in the morning and read our Bible and we think, what do I do with this today? We hear a testimony on the radio or a song from somebody and we think to ourselves, man, that was really good. Well, what do you do with it from there on out? As we come back into the book of Luke in chapter number eight, again, remember Jesus Christ. He's been preaching, he's been teaching. The ministry of Jesus right now is flourishing. We'll see that in just a second. Luke wrote the book of Luke for Theophilus. He was a ruler or a dignitary of some sort. And Luke wrote the book to help validate who Jesus was. He wrote about Jesus's deity through his lineage. Luke wrote about the birth of Jesus Christ being a miracle, being born of a virgin. Uh, Luke wrote about the, uh, the, the past of Jesus and his childhood, a little bit about that. And then Luke begins in chapter four to transition to the works of Christ, the miraculous things that Jesus was doing. Lately, what Luke has been speaking about to validate the ministry of Jesus is the words of Jesus Christ. 
Luke is writing about stories that have to do with the speaking and the word of Jesus. And as we come to Luke chapter eight this morning, the title that we've really given this today is just this thought of what do we do with it? What do I do with it? Well, what do I do with what? What do I do with the word of God? Because Luke's gonna come into chapter number eight and he's going to share with us some teachings that Jesus gave. These are the words of Christ to his followers about what we are supposed to do with his word. Oh, we know what it is. Sometimes we might have our mind thinking we know what we're supposed to do with it, but I don't know about you. I wanna know what Jesus says. What does Jesus say I should do with his word? Luke chapter eight, beginning in verse number one. You can stay seated today because we're gonna read 21 verses as we answer this question, what are we supposed to do with the word of God? Luke chapter eight and verse number one. And it came to pass afterward. After what? Well, after Jesus has been working in ministry up in the northern region of the Sea of Galilee, Capernaum. Those of you that were here last week or maybe you listened to the message online, you will recall that uh, Jesus was in the house of Simon the Pharisee, uh, right, probably in Capernaum or near it. And I think it's listed in, in uh, maybe Matthew where it says the exact city they were in. But Jesus was in this house. And remember that woman of the streets at chapter, end of chapter number seven, she's crying by the feet of Jesus and her tears begin to go on his feet. She begins to wash his feet with her hair and just a, a great thing of humility. And then she puts oil on him. And then Jesus uses the scenario to teach Simon the Pharisee a lesson. So after this, after all that's taken place, Jesus went throughout every city and village. What was he doing? He was preaching and showing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God. And the 12 were with him. And certain women, which had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities, Mary called Magdalene, or Mary of Magdala, one of whom, or out of whom went seven devils. And then there was Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's steward, and Susanna, and many others, which ministered unto him of their substance. Now, when the people, when much people were gathered together, and they were come out of every city. He, Jesus, he spake by a parable. What is a parable? I'll talk about it in just a minute. It's just a, an illustration. It's a story. He spake by a parable, and he said this. A sower, a farmer, went out to sow, to plant his seed. And as he planted, as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and it was trodden down. And the fowls of the air devoured it, and some fell upon a rock. As soon as it was sprung up, it withered away because it lacked moisture. And some fell among thorns and the thorns sprang up with it and choked it. And others fell on good ground. More seed fell on good ground. And that seed sprang up a plant and it bare fruit a hundredfold. And when he had said these things, he, Jesus, cried out. He said aloud, he that hath ears to hear, let him hear. And the disciples they asked him, saying, what might this parable be? What, what does all this mean? Why are you using a parable? And Jesus said, unto you it is given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but to others in parables that seeing they might not see and hearing they might not understand. Now, now the parable, the, the story is this. Here's the point. The seed is the word of God. 
And those by the wayside are they that hear. Then cometh the devil and taketh away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. They on the rock are they which, when they hear, they receive the word with joy. And these having no root, which for a while believe, and in a time of temptation or testing, they, they fall away. And that which fell among the thorns are they which, when they've heard, they go forth, they leave, and they are choked with the cares and riches and pleasures of this life. And they bring forth, or they bring no fruit to perfection. But that on the good ground are they which in an honest and good heart, having heard the word, they keep it and bring forth fruit with patience. Now, no man, when he hath lighted a candle, he doesn't cover it with a vessel or put it under a bed, but he sets it on a candlestick. For they which enter in may see the light, that they which enter in may see the light. For nothing is secret that shall not be made manifest, neither anything hid that shall not be known and come abroad. Now take heed, therefore, how you hear. For because whosoever hath, to him shall be given, and whosoever hath not, from him shall be taken even that which he seemeth to have. Jesus' words end. As he ends his speaking, crowd around him, verse 19. It says this, then, then came to him his mother and his brethren, and they could not come at him for the press. They couldn't make their way through the crowd. And so it was told him by certain which said, thy mother and thy, thy brother, and they stand without. They're outside and they, they wanna see you, desiring to see thee. And verse 21, he answered. And he says to the crowd and to those speaking to him, my mother and my brethren are these which hear the word of God and do it. This morning, I want to ask the question, what are we supposed to do with the word of God? God's word is presented to us in many forms and fashions. When we hear it, what do we do with it? That's the question we're going to answer today. Let's pray and ask God to help us with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. Would you take just a minute and in the quietness of your own heart, would you pray and ask, ask the Lord to speak to you? You can pray something simple of, dear God, please speak to me today. And then would you make a commitment? God, if you speak to me, I'm listening and I will respond to you today. Dear Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for how you desire to use it in our lives. I pray, God, that as we go through the passage today in the service, Lord, that you would arrest our attention. God, we need you. Lord, we live in a culture that needs you. Father, we know that you are the answer not only for this world, but you are the answer for us as individuals. And God, I pray that this morning you would help us to come with an open heart to listen, to hear, to apply, and to leave changed. I pray, Lord, if there is someone that is here today that does not know you as their savior, I pray that today would be the day they put their faith and their trust in you alone. 
For those that do know you, God, would you speak to us and help us to know exactly what you're saying into our lives today. We love you, and it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. As you come to Luke chapter number eight, the story opens up again, Jesus' ministry continuing, flourishing, growing. And, and it's told us that Jesus, it's told us that as Jesus is speaking, that uh, now he's speaking to some disciples and then, and then included in that, Luke writes, and there's other women that were there. When, when we hear disciples, again, we talked about this a few weeks ago, it's not just the 12 apostles. The disciples that would be following Jesus, we know from the context that Jesus would be surrounded by the disciples, which would be many followers and many believers. But then it also says that the 12 were with him. So there's the apostles, there's the delineation. Included in this is very interesting that it says that Mary Magdalene is there. She's been delivered of demon possession. So this woman of the streets is there, and stay with me, this woman of the streets is a follower. But then he also says Joanna, the, the wife of Chusa or Chuzza, however you want to say that. You can ask Brian for the pronunciation later. He'll be the only one probably in here that would have it down. Uh, Chuzza, who is this? This is Herod's steward, Herod's right-hand man. Joanna, the wife of Herod's right-hand man, she's also a follower. And then Susanna, who's Susanna? Well, we don't know. We know a song was written about her. I was just waiting for someone to sing it. Uh, we don't know much about her, but here's what I would say. Why does Luke do this? And you go, all four writers of all four gospels do this. They include people from all types of class, all backgrounds, all places, right side of the tracks, wrong side of the tracks. Do you know why they do it? It's just a reminder, and we keep, we keep doing this. Every week, we're coming back to this principle. Jesus loves and cares for everybody. Hey, Mary Magdalene, demon-possessed, woman of the streets, she's a follower of Christ. Joanna, her husband, serves in the king's courts, follower of Jesus Christ. Isn't that incredible? Hey, aren't you thankful that Jesus loves you exactly where you are? He cares for where you are. And we learned it a few weeks ago that he knows what you need, when you need it. Man, I'm so thankful today that he knows me better than I know me. He cares for every single person. Well, Jesus on this day, he, he leads off with teaching a parable. A parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning or a heavenly application, spiritual application. On this day, he speaks of a sower, a, a farmer. Now, we live in Moses Lake, we live in an agricultural area, so many of us might understand this, but our culture in general, really, we live in such a cement world that most people think that groceries just come from the grocery store. So maybe you're here this morning, you're like, that's me. That's okay, because there's, in our culture, I mean, again, we live in Moses Lake, but someone maybe who grew up in downtown Seattle, they'd be like, well, yeah, I know a farm, but I didn't know that they're actually, like, do anything. Well... For us in our culture, maybe connecting with a story like this might be a little challenging. For them, agriculture was huge. Agriculture actually would be uh, 60 to 70% of all of the jobs of people would be some form of agriculture. And so Jesus on this day, he gives an illustration, this parable. Now, if you look at the ministry of Christ, the reason Jesus did this is because stories, listen, stories connect people. 
stories connect people. I'll come back to that in just a minute. So on this day, Jesus gives a story. Here's the story. The story is of a farmer who goes out to sow seed. Now, maybe you garden, and in your garden, you have a maybe a 10-foot by 10-foot garden area or whatever the case may be, 5 by 10 or whatever. When you go and plant, you probably take a few seeds. You have a little hole, and you put seeds in that hole and then cover it up. And then you go to the next hole and put seeds in that hole and cover it up. Man, based upon time and all of that stuff, they could not do that when they had these huge fields. And so a a farmer, a sower would go out and just like you see on the picture, they would cast the seed. They would reach in the bag, get one handful, throw it out. Reach in the bag, walk a step, get another handful. They'd just be doing this through their entire field. Well, on this certain day, this farmer casts out seed. The seed falls upon four different types of soil. Notice them quickly. Number one, Jesus says the seed fell on the wayside soil. What is the wayside soil? Well, in between the grooves, the furrows of that, uh, uh, the rows in that field, there would be that hard ground that never really got tilled up, the ground where the farmer would walk as he's throwing out the seed. The wayside would be the, the dividing ground between people's land. It's that hard ground. It's almost like a, a gravel area. It's almost like a dirt road type area that people have walked and the path has been worn. And many of us have those maybe in, in our yard or in our, in our backyard, our house, somewhere like that, uh, you might have a, a worn area where the dog constantly walks and nothing grows and there's just that one path by the fence line or whatever that may be. That would be the wayside. So what happens? The farmer throws it out. Some seed falls on the wayside. Because it's so hard, so concrete, the seed never sinks in. Birds come, pluck it. People trot, they walk on it, crush it, just like, I mean, the farmer probably does. It's seed that, honestly, it it just didn't go anywhere, the wayside. Second type of soil, we read, is what we're calling shallow ground. He throws seed, and it goes upon the rock. Now, in our mindset, we might think of like a big boulder that's there. Like, why is he throwing seed on a boulder or on the rocky area? No, in Israel, a lot of the ground, if you don't go down deep enough, about 8 to 10 inches below the surface of the ground will be a lot of limestone or a lot of other types of stone that's underneath there. And so it's, it's shallow ground. And Jesus said that seed went down and, and because it didn't have roots, I mean, it grew really quick, but it, withered, it eventually withered. Why? No soil, no, no soil to get into, no water, no root system. Third type of soil. We'll come back to these. Third type of soil is the outlying soil, or, or we might call it the thorny soil, or the soil with weeds. This would be usually on the outskirts of a field, This is the area, I mean, as much work, we know this, as much work as you do to get weeds out of anything, they're still there. If you don't believe me, just come and look at my backyard. Like I've I've given up hope this year. I'm like, boys, just weed whack it all. We'll figure it out next year. I don't know what to do. I got no clue. It's that uh, acacia, you guys know that? Oh, that's the most obnoxious weed in the world. Just imagine, listen, if you don't know what acacia is, just imagine junior hires popping up in your yard for a summer overnight. That's acacia. I'm not trying to offend any junior hires, but anyway. Uh, it's just, it's, a, it's, a, it's, an annoying, it's an annoying weed, that's all I'm saying. 
Anyway, the weed fields, they throw the seed, and because of the weeds, the seed can't get nutrients, and it's choked out. The life is choked away. The fourth soil is the good seed, the good ground, excuse me, the good soil. This is the soil that the seed goes in, the dirt covers it, it begins to take root, and the plant grows, and Jesus said, and it brings forth a hundredfold. All right, so that's, that's the simple illustration Jesus gives. And the disciples say, what, what does this parable mean? Like, why are you teaching us in parables? And, and Jesus says something in verse number uh, 10, and don't, don't get confused by it, all right? Verse number 10, unto you it is given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but to others in parables that singing they might not see and hearing they might not understand. Here, here's what Jesus is saying by that. He's saying, listen, you guys follow me. I could just tell you straight what I'm trying to say. But a lot of other people, they need me to tell them in stories. They need parables. Why? Because if I tell it straight to them, they're going to see, but not really see. If I tell it straight to them, they're going to hear, but they're not really going to understand. So I give it in parables so that they can understand it, so that they can grasp it. Verse 11, now the parable is this. The seed, it's the word of God, all right? We're all good on that. The seed is the word of God. So who then is the sower? Well, the sower is anybody casting out the word of God, all right? So there's the sower, there's the seed. But Jesus says, now let me talk to you about the soil. And he goes back to those four types of soil. And he says this. There is the soil of the hard ground. The hard soil. This hard soil represents, and I'll just say this real quick. If the seed is the word of God, the soil is the hearts of man. That's the soil. The soil is your heart. The soil is my heart. The word of God is cast before us. And we choose our response to the word of God. There is the hard soil, the hard ground. This soil represents the person who hears the word of God, but immediately allows the devil to snatch away the word. They're that roadside that is beaten down and hard-hearted. The seed can't really penetrate their heart. They're in the Old Testament called the hard-hearted or the stiff-necked. Now I believe this all four of the or excuse me all four of these can be in a believer or a non-believer and and we're not really going to dive into the one direction this morning here's what I will say that every one of us we choose our response to the word of God we are either hard-hearted or one of these others but in speaking about hard-heartedness I want to speak to those of you that follow Jesus Christ because I want to say that you and I we at times can be the hard soil this is the Christian that comes to church that has this mindset. When are we going to be done? This is the Christian that comes to church and has this mindset. I've got, I've got it figured out. It's the, that's the hard ground. It's the calloused heart. 
And so because of that callousness, the seed comes, but then you leave and the devil, he just snatches it away. How does he do that? Well, he does it by pride. The devil snatches it away by prejudice. He snatches it away by stubbornness. The devil snatches it away by uh, maybe a continual temptation in our life. That's the hard ground. Second is the shallow ground. Seed is cast and some of it goes into shallow ground. What is the shallow ground? Well, the shallow soil represents or illustrates the emotional hearer. Those who are driven by emotional hype. Oh, now, listen, there's nothing wrong with having emotion in church. There's nothing wrong with that. As a matter of fact, did you know, I believe that in order to really, really just experience a time with God, we have to have some sort of emotion because God wants to minister to body, soul, and spirit. Intellect, emotion, will. God wants to minister. So there's nothing wrong with having emotion. That's why here at our church, we say, hey, listen, if you wanna raise your hand when we're singing, that's okay. Now we're not doing camp meeting style. If you've ever been to a camp meeting, people just start running around the auditorium, We ain't doing that because the worship should be totally centered upon the Lord. So I, man, I raise my hand to say, God, like, I just want to worship you right now. And the Bible has so much to say about lifting hands of praise and worship up to God. So there's nothing wrong with that emotion, but the shallow ground is the person that it is only emotion. I come, I get stirred. Man, that was such a good message. That was all, man, that music today, Pastor Brian, thank you. Oh, it ministered to my heart. Oh, it was so, so good. But they leave and it's out of sight, out of mind. Shallow. Thorny ground, the outlying soil. That weed covered ground. This is the person who hears the word of God. They come, they hear They know they need it in their life, but because what Jesus said, because of the cares of this life, they leave and that soil, or that, excuse me, that seed is of no effect. This is the person that comes to church, but we, when we leave, we immediately get distracted by culture and finances, and, and we, we immediately get distracted by what we have going on this week, and we, we leave not giving any attention to what we've just heard or how we've been stirred. This is the Christian that wakes up in the morning and spends time in the Word of God and thinks, man, God, today, today I'm going to live for you, but then the alarm goes off, and they got to get up, and they forget what they are doing. They forget what they've read. They are concerned about their finances more than their faith. They're concerned about investing or finding, excuse me, peace in the pleasures of life more than the presence of the Lord. That's that thorny ground. Then Jesus gives the good ground. He says, other seed fell on good soil. You can read it there in verse number 15, but on that good ground are they which in an honest and a good heart, they hear the word, they keep it, and they bring forth fruit. This is the person that believes God's word, receives God's word, and then desires to live it out in their life. They produce fruit. They have the characteristics of the word of God that are taught to them, that are in the word of God, that they are constantly working to, to, uh, to live out and asking God, God, would you please help me today to have your spirit live through me? And, and these people are not perfect. 
perfect. The good soil is not perfect. The good soil is that soil that just says, I'm receiving, I need God. So the question we asked you at the beginning of the message was, what are we supposed to do with the word of God? Well, through this parable, here's what Jesus is teaching. What are we supposed to do with the word of God? Well, number one, hear and receive the word of God. Hear it and receive it. Hear it and receive it. You ever... I'm a hugger. Everybody knows that. I'm the hugger of the church. Some of you are like, I don't like that. And I'm sorry. But you ever gone to like give somebody a hug and they weren't expecting it? It's kind of like awkward. You you know what I'm talking? Carlos, come here real quick. I'm just gonna have Carlos come back up here. Carlos gonna come and he's gonna help me. You know, no, not like that. Man, children's pastor acting like a child. That's what he does. Here's what you do. If someone's coming, coming to give you a hug and he comes to give me a hug and they're the, you ever had someone do that? You, they're, gonna, they're going to embrace, but or you're going to embrace and they, and what do you do? Usually you're kind of like, all right. And then you awkwardly leave the conversation. How many of you have been there? You've been on one side. We've all been there. Here's what the Bible, you know what? Sometimes when we approach the word of God, because we, we know what it is, we don't know what to do with it. We're like the person that God is trying to embrace through his word. And we're like, uh, 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 we, don't, we don't receive it. Hey, you know what Jesus is saying through this parable? Hey, listen, here, know I'm going to speak to you and receive. Receive the word. Carlos just needed a hug today. Thanks, you can sit down. You know what? In your life and in my life, here's, what, here's the principle Jesus is getting at and teaching this to them. Hey, listen, listen, every single person, every follower of me, every person who hears my voice. Did you see that in verse number, uh, um, let me see, verse number 18. Verse number 18, when he says, take heed, therefore, how you hear. Hey, pay attention to how you hear. We should hear it, we should receive it. So here's my question today to you. When God's word is presented, number one, are you the hard-hearted? Hey, ask yourself, am I the hard-hearted person? Hey, when God's word is presented to you, is your mind already made up that you've got it figured out? Oh, now, now, now wait, we're in church, pastor. Like, of course not. Hey, I want you to be honest with yourself because I'll, I'll be honest with Dennis There's times in my life when I am the hard heart and God's going. And you're going, I got it. God, I got it. I got it. Am I the hard heart? Maybe you're the shallow heart. When God's word presented, are you the shallow heart? What's the shallow heart? (gasps) Oh. Man, that was so good today. Only to get in your car and nothing ever changes. Am I the thorny, thorn-filled heart? 
I leave and the cares of life just choke out the word of God's impact in my life. Oh, I don't even intend for it to happen, but I have just so much going on that it's like I hear the word of God and I leave, but then it's like, oh man, tomorrow, oh, we got to do school shopping. We got sports starting. Oh, we got this. Oh, I got, and then pretty soon you get through Saturday and you're like, oh, it's Saturday. Oh man, I can't even believe it's Sunday. Wait, did I go to church last week? I don't, man, did we? I would ask you to evaluate your heart and your life. Like when God speaks, are you the thorn-filled life that the cares and pleasures of this life just choke out the word of God's impact in your life? But hopefully today you would be the good soil, the receptive heart. What is the receptive heart? This is the one that says, God, I know I need you speak into my life today. God, I'm not perfect and I, there's no way that I can be. God, help me today to hear your word. God, help me to hear it. Help me to receive it. In verse 16, Jesus gives the next thought. He says this, hey, if you need light, like if you're in a dark room and you need light, if you light a candle for light, are you gonna go and put it under something or maybe hide it under the bed? Uh, you need light, you light a candle, are you gonna put it under a bed? <laughs> no. No, you're not gonna do that. Well, why? Because you need the light. And if you have light, light is going to be seen. He says, instead, you would place that candlestick, or excuse me, you'd place that, that candle on a candlestick. Why? To provide light. And then he gives the challenge in verse 17, nothing is secret that shall not be made manifest, neither anything hid that shall not be made known and come abroad. Take heed, therefore, how you hear. What is, what is Jesus saying? Well, look at the rest of the verse. For whosoever hath, to him shall be given, and whosoever hath not, from him shall be taken even that which he seemeth to have. Oh, that's clear. Maybe that's not clear. <laughs> you hear this and you think, well, what, Jesus, what are you saying? Here's the fact that Jesus is getting out of this. Be aware of how you hear and what you do with the light of God's word. We're staying on God's word. Hey, the light of God's word has shown into your life. You need to receive it and apply it. And the truth will come out if it is real or not. If the light is really in your life, it will be seen. If it's not in your life, then what you seem to have... It will, be, it will be taken away. So what is Jesus getting at? This is the second thought today. He's getting at this. We need to hear and show the word of God. Hey, if God's word has impacted your life, you have the light of God's word in your life. Quit trying to hide it. Hey, if God's word has impacted your life and you're really receiving it, that truth is going to come out in your life. If it's not in your life, then what you are faking will be known. There's a lot of Christians who claim to be complete and real followers of Jesus, but later on down the road, you find out, man, that guy, that lady, man, they were just a hypocrite. And we condemn them instead of learning. What should we learn? God, help me to never be there. God, help me to never be, listen, help me to not ever be the person that preaches forgiveness but five years later is the most bitter person you would ever meet. 
God, help me not to be the one that would get up and declare, thus saith the Lord, and then have a bunch of secret identity going on in the side, side rooms of my life. Oh, pastor, I would never do that. Hey, beware. Why? Because that pride comes before destruction and a haughty, I've got this spirit before a fall. Hey, hear and show the word of God. Be the person who hears the word of God and unashamedly carries the light with them everywhere they go. So Jesus wraps up those words. We read it a minute ago. The family comes. We wanna see him. Hey, Jesus, your family's here. And he says, my, my brethren, verse 21, my mother and my brethren are these which hear the word of God and do it. What did Jesus teach here? He taught this, we must hear and follow the word of God. Don't just hear it and, and have this reception. Hear it, receive it, live it, and then continue to follow it. Keep following his word. He uses this situation just to teach that there is a certain closeness with him that happens when we have the word of God and we are continually following it. At our youth conference this weekend, Pastor Skelly said this, and I love the quote. He said, obedience is not, a, or excuse me, obedience is about action, not intention. It is about now, not later. Hey, if God speaks into your life, hear it and receive it. Hear it and share it, but then have the mindset to hear it and keep following it, keep pursuing it. Now, we're done with the, me we're done with the message. What can, we, what can we walk away with today? So I'm gonna close this whole thing out by giving you one question, one question, and three statements. Question. Which soil best represents your heart? Hard, shallow, thorn-filled, or good? Oh, pastor, it's a Sunday morning. I'm at church. Obviously, obviously I'm the good soil. Okay, let me ask it this way. What would God say? Which soil would God say best represents your heart? Oh, now we can't lie about it. <laughs> hey, which soil would he say best represents your heart? Question, which soil best represents your heart? That's the question. Here's the three statements. Statement number one. When the word of God is being received, the life will be impacted. What do you mean, Pastor? God's word is a lamp, it's a light that he uses to direct our way. One of the very first memory verses my parents had me memorize when I was a kid, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Why would they do that? Because God wants to use his word to impact every facet of your life, every area. And when you adapt God's word and adopt God's word into your life, your life will be impacted. 
But he also desires that our life's impact from the word of God would spread out to others. Jesus said it this way in Matthew 5, 14 through 16. He said, you are the light of the world. And a city that is set on the hill, it cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Hey, listen, every single believer needs to understand when I am hearing and receiving and following the word of God, it is going to impact my life and your life. Pastor, I just want to grow as a Christian. Get in the word of God. Pastor, my marriage really needs help. Listen, first first thing we ought to resort to every time is get into the word of God. Now, maybe you might need some counseling or some help in certain areas. Can I just tell you, the word of God is going to be the first place that I'll ever go. Well, pastor, you don't know my situation. You're right, I don't, but I know a God in heaven that does. Well, pastor, the biblical principles, they really just don't apply to me. Hey, listen, you know what? Sometimes your spouse or your loved one doesn't listen to the biblical principles, but it still applies to you and me. Well, pastor, I just need really, I need some help overcoming this addiction. I need help overcoming this sin. Hey, let's go to the word of God. Now, I'm not trying to be that guy that over-spiritualizes everything. I, I don't have a lot of time for a lot of people that do that, that they go, well, the answer is always just the Bible. No, God will use his spirit and people to help. But I promise you, and we've said it multiple times, God always desires to use his word in your life. And when the word is received, the life is impacted. Statement number two. Statement number two. Faking it will work for a time, but the truth will eventually come out. <laughs> hey, you can, you can show everybody and present a good presentation to everybody, but eventually the truth will come out. It may not be today, it may not be tomorrow, it may not be even during your life. It may be after you die, people will find out, wow. I mean, yeah, I believe they were a Christian, I believe that they were saved, but boy, they claimed a lot that didn't match up. Lord, help me to never be that guy. God, help me to never be that guy that fakes the Christian life. There used to be a saying, fake it till you make it. Can I tell you, don't do that. You know why? Because you'll fake it and then you'll start believing and start hiding and start concealing. Hey, that truth will come out. So what do I pray? God, God, I need you. Help me not to ever fake the reception of your word in my life. Statement number three, a special relationship with God is formed when I hear and follow the word of God. I'm gonna be completely honest with you on this thought. This has helped me this week. All of this I've learned and I've grown, but this right here has helped me this week. And here's why. When Jesus, when, the, when his family came and said, hey, your family's here, and he said, no, no, no. My family are they which hear and do the word of God. Jesus wasn't negating his mom and the relationship. Like, nah, my mom's an idiot. You know, Jesus wasn't doing that. Jesus was using it to teach a principle that for those believers that hear, receive, and follow his word, there's a special relationship. 
John chapter 10 and verse number 27, Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me, they pursue me. Hey, when you and I, and, and those of you that have known Jesus for years, you know this because there's been a time in your life when you were just walking so close to God and things were going on, but it was like the Lord was just right there, arm in arm. And I've been there and there are times in my life when I'm not there and I want to be there again. Hey, listen, when I hear, receive, listen, and follow his word, that relationship is going to be there. I am like the psalmist who's able to say, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures he leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death and trials, I will fear no evil. Why? Because thou art with me. Thy, thy rod, thy presence, and thy staff, you, you comfort me and you prepare a table before me, even in the presence of mine enemies. And you anoint my head with oil and my cup, literally the blessings of my life just runneth over and of a surety, of a promise, goodness, and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. Listen today, the relation, hey, the relationship that God wants with you is not a relationship of just, well, do this, don't do that, do this, don't do that. No, no, no. God wants to embrace every single area of your life and he is going to approach you and come to you through his word. There is always a special relationship when I hear, listen, Live out and follow the word of God. So I close today with this. What are you doing with the word of God? What are you doing with the word of God? Hey, when you hear a message, when you hear a, a good godly song that's based upon scripture, when, you, when you're challenged by the word in your devotions, what do you do with it? I mean, we know what it is. Like, I, I mean, I know that his word, I, I know what this, I know this is a sponge. I know it is. I know it's some sort of cleaner. But until I knew what to do with it, I never really understood it. Can I tell you, every day you and I are given a gift. We know what it is. What do you do with it? I hope today your mindset would be this. God, God, would you help me to be a, the believer who receives your word, lives out your word, shares your word, and God completely follows your word. Pastor, this message is kind of elementary. I was hoping for something super deep. His word will literally change every area of your life and my life. You want deep? Here it is. This week, God help me to be this.